Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Lubcast. I'm here with Butsy. We're going to be going over the Celtics' uh, loss to the Warriors on Friday. Butsy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, you know, it's happy. It's Sunday. It's nice out. The weather's nice. Weather's been yeah. great all weekend. Um, spirits are a little low when it comes to the seas, but, you know, overall morale is is, is, is all right. It's actually yeah. a pretty, good, pretty good place. Where, what is the, we're in different areas. So what's the weather like in New Hampshire? Because it's it's 90 in Knoxville right now or 80. Yeah, 80. we have a we have a very nice and calm uh, 79, partly cloudy with a little oh, bit nice. of breeze going on. The trees are rustling a little bit. High of 81. It's been it's been a beautiful, beautiful. day. It's supposed, to, it's supposed to get some rain in tonight, I guess. But yeah, I'm no meteorologist. Dude, I miss it. I miss it for sure. But yeah, let's get into the C's game. Um, tough, tough loss. I mean, I think before the game, uh, one of I call uh, I I think people agreed with me. I think Jordan and I were saying that we thought that the Celtics were going to lose this game. I think you even said that too. Some yep. on the one of the pods we were talking, like all of us were talking about how we thought we were going to lose this game, and I don't think that's why the game hurt. The game hurt because we literally it wasn't that the Warriors won the game. It's that we lost the game, if that makes sense. We shot ourselves in the foot, really. And we were winning. We were leading until like six minutes left of the fourth quarter. And then the Warriors took it and won the game from there. So, yeah, this is my problem with the C's is, you know, I'm, we're watching this finals and it's like, you know, Boston Celtics are in the finals. They're up. They were up two to one going into going into Friday night. And it was just like, why? I don't understand how we're here. Right? Yeah. If you think about it, we've lost so, <laughs> so many, many games. games. We, like we haven't, we haven't badly been too. beaten. We haven't been beaten, right? There are so yeah. many games where we've just shot ourselves in the foot, like you just said, that we've given away so many games, and we're two wins away from an NBA final still. Like it's, it's ridiculous insane. that it's ridiculous that we can hurt ourselves so much <laughs> and still be two games away from from being crowned NBA champions. So, you know, I don't think last night or sorry Friday night was uh was unexpected for anybody you know i think the celtics no they just it's like they just show up every other game it's 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 yeah. ridiculous 19 points in the fourth quarter you know a total of 43 points in the second half <laughs> after having 54 at half like that's that's fucking terrible so um you know we didn't have a closer we didn't have we didn't get good shots down the stretch we looked like we were scared and we panicked a little bit mm-hmm. uh the warriors came out or, you know in the fourth quarter shooting i mean steph curry's steph curry's fucking unbelievable you can't say enough exciting and good things about him yeah he's probably you know a, he's obviously a generational talent changed the game forever and he's you know still doing it and everyone thought that he was done but you know nevertheless it's 2-2 going back to golden state so I mean, the game sucked. The game sucked all around. It was fun for the first half, and then just, it was so fun, and then it just wasn't. It was so fun, yeah. But it, I mean, we just gave the game away. It's not like the Warriors did anything special to turn us over or, or fuck us up. We just we just continue to hand away games, and and you know, I don't know if it's going to continue. I don't know if it's going to come back and bite us in the ass. I don't. I really don't. Yeah, I I don't know either. Um, I think we should win this series because we're the better team, but they have the best player, and I think that's what if your best player is that level of player that Steph Curry is I think you always have a chance to beat the better team because you have the best player if that makes sense and there's teams like that like uh, LeBron has had teams where he he was the best player but he didn't have the best team and he won there's stuff like that and I think that's where it gets tough but yeah we the the Curry's just so fucking good dude I, I just wanted to take a moment to talk about him what he's done offensively and not only offensively but defensively and Another aspect that I wanted to bring in is his weight gain. He's put on so much mass and muscle, and he still hasn't lost any of that speed. If you watch him, he is running around in circles the entire game, up and down the court. And 
he put on all this muscle mass and still didn't lose his speed. He got better on defense because you can see like when Tatum takes him in the post, it's not an easy thing. And we were making fun of Al, but I don't think it's as easy as we think. Like, I'm, I mean, Al should have done it, but, but still like Steph is big now and he's much, much stronger and he's, he's a really good rebounding guard. I don't think he gets a lot of credit for that is he's just so good at rebounding and we killed them on the offensive boards, but then they killed us. Like we were killing them in the beginning. And then for that six minute stretch, they started killing us on the offensive boards and that can't happen. But yeah, yeah I just I, want to highlight Steph. You have to highlight Steph. I mean, there's no question about it. The biggest thing for me, it's two things, two things for me um, when it comes to the Celtics play, the turnovers, the Warriors had 16, we had 15, our 15 seemed horrendous. What were the right? points off turnovers? Like- uh, I don't have that stat right. I, I think what right happened now. was the Warriors scored more off their turnovers. Yeah, that's why. That's where yeah. I was going. That's where I was going. Our our turnovers were so bad. Our turnovers. Oh yeah. Smart had a terrible. behind the back pass to no one. Just Tatum. To- Tatum threw the ball directly to Wiggins on a play. Yeah. It's just like Tatum wasn't there, and that like transitions to my next point, which is Tatum has to fucking play better. There's no, there's no you know excuse anymore, right? Yeah. This is supposed to be his time. Right, you're gonna you're gonna wear the Kobe armband, which I'm fine with. Yeah, you're gonna text Kobe, and then you're gonna put it on your Instagram story. Then you're gonna come out in a must win, not a must win, but obviously a very pivotal game four to go up three one in the NBA Finals. You put up 23, 11, and six on eight of twenty three shooting, with three of five from the line and six fucking turnovers. I mean, that is that is embarrassing. That is terrible. He can't play like that if we're gonna win this series. Um, and, you know, it's like I've said this throughout the whole entire playoffs. It seems like the Celtics want to take a game off after they win. So now I'm really confident in the fact that they're going to bounce back in game five and can absolutely steal game five. I think him stepping up doesn't necessarily have to be him scoring more. It, it can be stuff that he can fix, stuff like the turnovers and tightening up his dribble, the little things that he's that he did bat poorly in game four. I don't think he's going to somehow start shooting the ball better. It's not like he shot horribly last game because he did no he shot he shot horribly eight of 23 eight of 23 is 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 terrible that's pretty bad that's literally almost that's just above 33 percent he also is getting defended so hard i don't think the scoring is going to miraculously turn around but what can improve is his facilitation on offense and uh and his um keeping his head engaged on defense instead of arguing the calls and also he needs to hit those layups those layups are not he misses a lot of layups, and I think I know what it is. I think it's because he flails for the call every single time, and he like kind of goes. Yeah. He doesn't do it. He doesn't go up strong. Like you know how in in basketball they always tell you to go up strong with it. He always flicks his wrist at the end, and I think, I think that's why he misses it. I think he gets so frustrated so quickly. Yeah, I think he's a very easy guy to to get in his head, especially if you're playing more physical. Um, Kerr obviously has made it made an emphasis to to he's the focal point of the much defense. more physically. Yeah, he's he's made uh, an emphasis to guard Tatum much more physically um, all over the floor, but especially in the paint when he's going up, Tatum is getting hit and he is getting fouled. But there's so many layups that he's just got to fucking convert, right? Yeah. He's got to hit. The, he's got to hit these shots. Like he's wide open ones. Yeah, I mean, there's no excuse for missing them, and I think it's just because in his mind he knows he's going to get hit and he's scared of it. And I don't yeah. think he's going up like you said, strong. I don't think he's trying to finish through contact. Just watch his I think wrist. He can. Yeah, I think he's good enough to. And I think he needs to, um, but you're right. It's really the turnovers, uh, you know, eight of 23 shooting. You can't, you don't, if you're not, if it's not your night, it's not your night. Don't take that many shots. 
there was obviously a ton of shots where he yeah, should have passed to off. Brown, especially in the end. In the end, I was getting annoyed because Smart was taking all these shots because no one was shooting the ball. Tatum wasn't shooting. Brown wasn't shooting. Well, I mean, the, the shots that Smart were taking were fucking were horrible too. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were terrible shots. I, it's just, it's annoying. It's so frustrating to watch this team play sometimes. Yeah, they, they just stop on offense. They look un, they look unbeatable one night and then look one terrible. Quarter. The one, one quarter. One quarter. Yeah, they looked really unbeatable for quarter. those first three quarters. I was like, I was like, planning out what tattoo i'm gonna get when they win the fucking yeah exactly. finals. and then and then fourth quarter comes and i'm like oh like yeah. i don't even know if they're gonna go to like if they win like this is insane. yeah no this i i heard a crazy stat i was listening to part of my take the other day and the celtics are i think it was 11 and 0 in the playoffs when they score more than 108 points and like three and eight when they don't so <laughs> i mean it's really like our defense like we know we know what we're gonna get from the defense every night Right, yeah. we know what we're gonna get the deep from the defense every single game. 107 points from this Warriors team, you know, plus all the free throws at the end. Like we played a great game defensively, no question about it. It's just our offense was disgusting. Tatum's shooting percentage was terrible. We shot 40% from uh, the field as a team, 74% from the line. Um, you know, it's it was pretty even shooting. It was just came down to that Steph was able to take the game over, and we didn't have a response for him. Yeah, and I. I don't know if we unlocked Rob Will, but if we didn't, then we wasted a good Rob Will game because he played pretty good. And I was really happy with what he did. And like we know his body and we know his issues with with injuries and everything. It's a little it, it can be a little worrisome that um, may, that we waste a Rob Will game like this, because I'm not sure if he's going to be able to do what he did last game, uh, next game in Golden State, just because it seems that the crowd really affects him in a positive way. And I don't know. He wasn't playing well before that. I don't know if we were we were like asking him to show up, please. And then he showed up for game three and four, which happened to be at the garden. So I'm not sure if the crowd did that or if that's him feeling better. Hopefully it's him feeling better. But if it is the crowd and he goes back to Golden State for that game, it's going to be pretty. We may not have a great Rob Will game. And that's he was a big part of everything we we're doing because he, he erases a lot of our mistakes. I think he looked a lot better, too. I yeah. think he looks more. Uh, mobile and looks more active yeah he, he i wonder thing, i wonder what happened to him like why is he all of a sudden so there's they these, have so much they have they have so much or so many fucking medicines shots but he's been but he's been injured the entire career of him it's been every it's been he's a gameplay awesome and then he's injured somehow Dude, you don't even notice when you're injured. when you're six nine or six ten and you can jump like that you're no i know but i'm saying hurt. how like what what different thing happened where you suddenly figured it out on game three and four to make him feel better like why didn't we get him get it to him in milwaukee series or uh um the heat series you know what i'm saying i have zero idea i one more thing i want to talk about before we move on from yeah. this shitty ass game is the production from our bench okay our bench went a combined five four five for 16 okay our bench went five or 16 Derek white had 16 points played 36 minutes went four of 12 from the field five of five in the line and three turnovers Grant Williams, he's a fucking mess right now. I know he's a he's a, he's know, just a, five fouls at this point. A former really. vol, but he, he he's yeah. you know three points, one board, thirteen minutes, four fouls. Uh, I mean it's it's bad, right? It's bad. This bench isn't great. Pritchard, ten minutes, no, uh, missed a free throw, oh two from three. Oh, no the turnover. free throws. We gotta get into that later. 
that yeah, was yeah, I mean, uh, we shot an okay percentage. I'm not gonna lie, like shooting um shooting 74%, I think is around league average, maybe a Dude, little bit. Dude, that's not low. good. They gotta shoot like eight. But still in a finals game, in a finals game, you gotta hit you gotta hit free throws in a finals game because they're freebies and, and you got knocked. That, that's how we are arguably that is kind of what lost us the game because that started the Warriors run because we could have been momentum shift. Yeah, and we we missed there was a point where we missed like four free throws in a row that that really greatly affected just the run that the Warriors were on. Yep, big time. Unfortunate, yeah. but we move on to game five. Uh, if I had to make a prediction, I'm liking the season game five because I think we bounce They're... back after every loss. We're like literally the best team in the planet after a loss. I don't know if we've lost. I don't know if we've lost two straight all all playoffs, I don't believe. So, I mean, uh, we haven't won. You're jinxing it. I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, I got wood right here. I'm going to knock on it. You guys can hear that. But I'm just saying, like, we've been able to bounce back from losses insanely well. Um, and I don't think home court for the Warriors affects anything for us. I don't think, obviously we went to, we went to Miami and won a game seven. I'm not, I don't think that the home court affects the Celtics at all being away, being home. I mean, it, it's shown that to be very, very neutral for the Celtics. Yeah. We lose as much on the, at home as anyone, like especially these so. huge games too. It's like peak games, like you, games that like, if you win this, you're kind of home free. And then, yeah. It's like, and we just can't it. win it because we won the game before. Uh, yeah. So I like the Celtics. I like the Celtics, Celtics, Celtics. I have no, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to uh, look at this game. I don't know what's going to happen. You could tell me anything happens and I really wouldn't be surprised with the Celtics yeah, team. The way, <clears throat> the way this has been going. I don't want to jinx them. Oh, sp- speaking of jinxing, we talked about Jordan Poole and you were like, oh, he's nothing special. And then I, I was saying on the, re- on the thing, I was like, oh, I don't think he's, I think he looked scared from the crowd and all this shit. And then, of course, he has the game of his life last night. He played awesome. and Or not last night, uh, Friday night. And he played awesome. And he didn't look scared at all. So I take that back. I, See, I this is the thing. I, I disagree. I disagree. I think he literally had one stretch where he scored eight points in a row or something like that. But besides that, he played 21 minutes, had 14 points, one board, one assist, six of 13 from the field, two of seven from three. He hit four fouls. Huge threes, though. He hit some big threes early. um, That's true. Yeah, when you read out the stats, from an eye test, he just looked like he He, was. Well, because because when somebody goes off for 10 points, you're like, holy shit. But, like, I mean, had. And no one could guard him, though. That was the thing. He just realized a certain thing, and he just realized he had more speed than these guys that were trying to guard him and then just used it every single time. And he had it. Did, did like, did his production obviously have an impact on the game? Yes. Was it as much as a lot of us thought coming into the series? Or, you know, a lot of. I didn't never thought that he was going to have a huge impact this series, but I know he's obviously a key part of this team. And I think people expected a lot more from him in this series. And I'm really not shocked, but, you know, 14 points and he scored it in a hurry. So that was that was impressive, but you know, two of seven from three, four fouls, only a plus two, plus minus. Like Looney, by the way, off the bench, plus twenty one, plus minus. What was after, his uh, uh, rebounds? Did his rebounds prop hit? He had eleven boards, so I'm assuming so, that cash. There's course, no that way it was. Yeah, I think it was so. Like, what'd you have? You had eight, nine and a half, eight and a half, something. Eight like and that. a half, nine. And a, it, it literally the line sits at nine and a half, and the only way he doesn't get it is if Steve Kerr doesn't play him. Yeah, twenty minutes, in, he gets six points, eleven boards, two assists. I mean. So the Looney's reason, I, huge, the reason I didn't play it yesterday is because I saw Otto Porter was starting and I thought, yep. I thought, oh shit, Looney's not going to play at all. But in hindsight, I think that was more because of Looney than like for him to play in a different rotation. Otto, but Porter, then, Otto Porter only played 15 minutes. And he dude, because it was so funny. It was like three. I think it was like he guarded Tatum or 
he guarded someone and it was like three straight buckets on his mouth and they took him right out and they put yeah. Kevon Looney right in and I was like, yeah, I need to fucking, I should have taken that prop. Yeah. Well, oh, I, we also got to highlight Andrew Wiggins. Um, I'm going to be talking about him later, but. Dude, 17, 17 points, 16 boards. That's insane. He also didn't shoot that great 7 of 17, which is not a shooter. Terrible. He He's not going to uh, shoot. 2 of 6 from 3. I think he has the capability to, to knock down every single three. Um, he had a plus 20, plus minus again. That's obviously uh, speaks to – But his to, defense, to, too. He's shutting Tatum down. Oh, he's long. He's af- I mean, he's the most athletic guy on the floor. No, there's yeah. no question. I think he's the best athlete on the floor. <laughs> I agree with that. I think he has the ability to guard anybody on the floor at any given time. I think he's frustrating the fuck out of Tatum, and I think he's uh, letting Wiggins literally put a campsite in his fucking head. So I think Tatum needs to just flip a switch. Channel his inner Kobe, not just scoring, but mentally as well. Well, he's I got. Think a pa- I, I don't think he, I don't think the scoring for Tatum is going to be ha- happening. I just don't. I think it's gonna. I don't. I, I think, think he. To I think he's gonna have one game. I think he has one big game. But for me, like I just said, I think the biggest thing for Tatum is that mental aspect of it. Yeah. Is to stop just play. Like you watch, you watch Kobe, you watch MJ, you watch these greats. Like the great scores. Yeah, they don't. He's trying to model his game out. Complain. They don't complain for shit. Yeah, they literally MJ had the fucking MJ rules with the, with the bad boy Pistons, where literally he'd get literal mauled every time he stepped in the paint. But so the, new, the, new, like, the newer era, the, those guys are from like there's a generation in between that generation. It's Kobe. Kobe's yeah. in between. Yeah. But yeah, Kobe, I guess Kobe. Thing. Kobe's yeah, Kobe's in between. But Kobe, like LeBron, I would argue LeBron. LeBron's probably more in between. I know their careers overlap, but I would say LeBron's kind of like that middle gap between Kobe and Tatum and and KD and that generation between. And yep. and Harden and like those guys all complain, so that's where it gets a little iffy. It's like a precedent set by the generation above Tatum. Yeah, but I, him. But, but I agree, I he's he got to cut it. I think he has to understand if he wants to be able to be that guy night in yeah. night out, he has to take that step mentally. It's not anything physically. It's not anything like he doesn't need to take more shots. He doesn't need to go get in the lab. Yeah, he needs to just <clears throat> it's like, like a go to thing. I don't know a psychiatrist or some some psychologist. A sports cycle. Sports. So, yeah, exactly. I think it's all mental with Tatum. I think it was all yeah. mental. Uh, he needs to be able to just figure out how to just come in, just just show up every game, right? Show up every game, not give a fuck if he gets whacked. Keep going. Just play his game night in, night out, and I think we'll be okay. I mean, that's obviously not really has, has anything to do with this series, but just, you know, flip a little mental switch, Tatum, and, and he'll be good. Yeah, I agree. All right, this was a good segment. Um, we'll be coming up in a minute with some Andrew Wiggins talk. Thank you, Butts, for coming on. Alrighty, <clears throat> I am back. Um, this is something new I'm gonna do today. I I'm a huge fan of just different YouTube channels, and they talk about different things. And I thought this would be a fun little segment. I'm gonna talk about Andrew Wiggins today. Uh, I just did some research, and he's had a really fascinating career, in my opinion. And I just wanted to talk about that and talk about a little bit of what's happened to him in his career, and just about his growth as a player. So. This, this is talking about Andrew Wiggins. I have to admit something. I'm sort of obsessed with Andrew Wiggins. He is just such a good player, and he has had one of the stranger NBA careers to date. A lanky, explosive, athletic Canadian wing forward out of Kansas, Andrew Wiggins was selected first overall by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Here's where it gets tricky, though. On August 23rd, a three-team trade sent Andrew Wiggins, Anthony Bennett, and Thad Young, who was on the Sixers at the time, to Minnesota, Kevin Love to Cleveland, and Luke Mbamute, Alexis Shved, and a 2015 first-round pick to the Sixers. This trade made Wiggins the second player since the ABA-NBA merger to be drafted as the number one pick, only to be traded afterwards without playing a single game for the team he was originally selected for. 
So why did this happen? Well, in 2014, LeBron signed with the Cleveland Cavaliers, most likely to regain his good guy status as he had become a little bit of a villain with his super team in Miami. LeBron took his talents to the Cavs, a team with a young Kyrie Irving, and together they swept the Celtics in the first round, beat the Bulls 4-2 in the second round, swept the Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then lost 4-2 to the Warriors in the Finals. LeBron knew he needed another star to beat the Warriors, and so Cleveland sent their last two first overall picks in Anthony Bennett and Andrew Wiggins to Minnesota to finally bring Kevin Love to LeBron James. We had been hearing about this potential pairing for years. We knew LeBron wanted to play with Love, and we knew Love wanted to play with LeBron, so it only made sense that Cleveland finally got Love to be on their team alongside LeBron and Kyrie. So, in Wiggins' first season, he played well enough to be to earn the Rookie of the Year with Minnesota. He finished averaging 16.9 points, 4.6 rebounds, 2.1 assists, and a steal. That's not bad. Wiggins played well in Minnesota. He would average 20.7 points and 23.6 points in 2015-2016 season and the 2016-2017 season, respectively. The problem, though, was his shooting. Wiggins was coming in around last in his mid-range shooting percentage, and he would often brick shots. He's still not a great shooter, and I'm not sure if he ever will be, and the knock on Wiggins' shooting did not start here. It is mentioned in his high school and college scouting reports as well. I don't think he's ever been a good shooter, and I think it's his hand size. Oftentimes, guys with massive hands have a tough time shooting the ball because I don't know if you've ever tried to grab and shoot at the Little Tykes ball, but it's really hard to shoot when you have bigger hands. You just grip the ball too well, and it's hard to get the correct rotation. I can't find any measurements of Wiggins' hands, but if you look at pictures of his hands compared to his teammates, it sticks out how much bigger they are. When I, there's a, a famous picture of his hand like uh, giving a high five to someone on his team, and his hand's like two times the size of that guy. And when you when you watch him shoot, he palms the ball, and it throws off his rotation, his aim, and it and you can tell that his aim is thrown off because he pretty consistently bricks shots or like air balls. Wiggins, however, played played well enough to earn himself a five-year, $147.7 million contract extension from Minnesota. But this is where the problems really start. Wiggins' points per game dropped from 23.6 in 2016-2017 season to 17.7 in the 2017-2018 season and 18.1 in the 2018-2019 season. He picked it up in the 2019-2020 season by scoring 22.4 points per game, but by then the damage was done. There were rumors that Wiggins lacked motivation and hunger to win, similar to the rumors that Carl Anthony Towns faces now. Speaking of Carl Anthony Towns, he was in his fourth year in the NBA and he looked to be a future star with Wiggins. However, Cat sort of took away from Wiggins' offense too much. All Wiggins was on this team was an athletic defender who's not super engaged and would often brick shots. And he would go off once in a while, but he really wasn't anything too special with the Timberwolves, and the Timberwolves weren't anything too special with him. The Timberwolves decided to gamble on Cat, and they traded Wiggins, a 2021 first-round pick, and a 2021 second-round pick to the Warriors for D'Angelo Russell, Omari Spellman, and Jacob Evans. Wow. At this time, Minnesota had quite literally been looking to dump Wiggins' salary. He was looked at as overpriced, overrated, not committed, and inconsistent. This move, however, arguably saved Wiggins' career. Fast forward to today, and the, and the Warriors system is etched all over Wiggins. He's an incredible rebounder and hustler. He gives a shit about every play. He's put off inducing the labor of his first child so he wouldn't miss a regular season Warriors game. The guy is committed to the team. He's tasked with guarding the best opposing player on every team, and he does it, and he does it well. This playoffs, he played Luka super well, and now he's locking up Tatum. He's really just a defensive mastermind. He's turned into the Warriors' second most consistent scorer behind Steph Curry, and this system utilizes him perfectly. His physicality, length, speed, hand size, and athleticism make him a nearly perfect defender. He's also good for a ridiculous amount of highlight reel dunks or acts of athleticism throughout the season. This playoffs have been the most important in, our, in Andrew Wiggins' life, and there's no way you can argue that. 
He's in the final year of his contract, and because of his play, there are now arguments about whether or not he's a max contract guy. Even at the start of the season, there is questions about what Wiggins is going to make this upcoming season, as most expected him to not make nearly as much as he did with when he signed his extension in 2017 with Minnesota due to his lackluster play and inconsistency. I hope he stays with the Warriors because he, they use him perfectly, and I want him to maximize his playing abilities. That being said, I understand if he goes and gets paid to on some shitty team. I just really hope that he stays with the Warriors and they utilize him as they're utilizing him now and they keep unlocking his full potential because Andrew Wiggins is a really, really good player, although I think he will be stunted shooting no matter what. What's crazy, though, is this. Wiggins went from a first overall pick that was looked at as an awful contract to an amazing slashing defender who can initiate offense, rebound, get to the rim, occasionally hit some shots, and lock up anyone. By initiate offense, I, I think I mean more facilitate. He's not going to be one that takes up the ball and gets get, gets a set going, but he is good for continuing on play and initiating offense as a second or third option when other players are out of the game, such as Steph or Clay. He looks calm and mature on the court and he is truly so fascinating to see his growth in this game he looks calm and mature on the court and it is truly so fascinating to see this growth in his game good job andrew wiggins now please back off and let tatum have 30 so i can avoid the tension this series has been putting on my heart Alrighty, we are back um i just wanted to review what happened at this ufc 275 card it was an absolutely crazy card it was there is a lot of mem of moments there that'll be talked about for a very long time it was a just a great card overall but i want to talk about the three fights that jeff and i had highlighted in in the earlier part of this episode and what happened in those fights so the first fight that i think we highlighted was uh joanna junjaychik and zhang wei li too so unfortunately for us we were really excited for joanna but and we had highlighted how she needed to come into this fight and be a little less aggressive and more tactical. And unfortunately, she was a little bit more aggressive and less tactical, and she rushed in a little bit too much. And this is oversimplifying, of course. There's more to it than that. But she rushed in a little bit, and Zhang got her with a really devastating spinning back fist to the temple. And unfortunately, Joanna went out for the count. And then after that, she retired in the ring. So it, this is what I love about the UFC is no other sport do you see a fighter or uh, the athletes fall from grace in such a quick period. So LeBron is eventually going to gonna dwindle down in the NBA and he's not going to be what he once was. But with UFC, that could happen in a couple of fights. Or one fight sometimes, and then sometimes it's enough of a fight that it makes them quit right away and their career is over. And you don't really see moments like that in sports. Usually when people retire, it's in the off season or whatever. It's hard to see someone... It would be like if Steph Curry lost the finals and then retired right away in that game. He left his shoes on the court and left. You'd be, you'd be awestruck. I mean, not that Joanna Junjacek was Steph Curry... I'm just saying in terms of the retirement factor in this league, like that's the difference between UFC and other sports is that you don't watch people retire that in that quick and in that real time. So it's a little, it, it's emotional sometimes, and especially if it's a fighter that you've watched and like grown up watching or someone that is close to your heart, it's very intense. It's an intense moment to watch, but yeah, so Joanna uh, retired 
unfortunately, but good for her. You know, she's made her money. She has nothing left to prove. She's done it all. She was a great champion. She changed women's MMA forever. And, yeah, there's not really too much to say about that fight because it was a very quick fight. Zhang looks like a fucking beast. She's a tank. I'm really excited to see what she does. I think that makes her number one contender, right? I'm not sure, but hopefully she can challenge for a title. I love. I think it's now it's Zhang is number one, and so hopefully we can see her soon because she looked like a beast, and I don't think she took that much damage in this fight. So the next fight I want to talk about was Valentina Shevchenko versus uh, Talia Santos. Um, this was this this fight actually had a little bit of controversy because of the scoring. Some people thought that Santos won. Some people thought that Shevchenko won. From what I'm what what I saw, most people thought that Shevchenko. I mean, sorry, most people thought that Santos won. And yeah, that's one of those things about the scoring system. I'm not enough of like an expert to talk talk about the scoring at all but from my experience Shevchenko is kind of a tough fighter to watch in the fact that she's so freaking good and you just know what you're gonna get and this fight was good because Santos uh did what Nunez did to put to give her issue which was you know tie her up and wrestle with her a ton but Shevchenko did outstrike her and yeah, it was just one of those things. I'm not. I don't really know what to th- what to think about it. I didn't really know how to score it myself, and I I could see either or on this one. But yeah, that one just brought up some controversy about the scoring, and it w- it went the full distance obviously because there was scoring to it, and Shevchenko was able to return or not return, but to keep her belt. So that was good for her, and. All in all, you know, it was a, it was nothing too crazy. It was just, a, I would say, I mean, it was a... I would like to see them rematch, I think, because since there's those questions out there, I think... And she was... She, the, Santos was the only one to give Shevchenko a challenge, really, recently, that I, I, I would like to see them rematch for the title just to see if they can do something different or maybe if Santos can get that win because I would like to see that happen. Final fight on the card was one I think if not the best light heavyweight fight or not the be- it was one of the best light heavyweight fights if and fights of all time Yuri Prohashka versus Glover Teixeira it, this fight had everything it had perfect grappling grappling defense submission attempts submission defense they beat the shit out of each other with all types of different strikes Yuri threw everything, Glover threw everything at both rounds. Both guys popped each other, and I thought were were out. I totally, and it came out today, or the day after, and it came out that um, that Glover w- would have won, but he in, instead, 28 seconds left, Glover's up, I believe, 30 to 28 on the card. And unfortunately, with 28 seconds left, he gets he submits to a rear naked choke, making Yuri Prohasha the new light heavyweight champion of the world. Absolutely crazy fight. I'm very happy to hear that Glover is going to be staying in the UFC. He said after the fight that he didn't look 42, so he's going to keep going. That's what I love to see. Both of these guys are absolute warriors. I would love to see a rematch, but... I think Yuri is going to be fighting Jan Blahovich, Fixer Polsko soon. In ho- and if they could get that in a Eastern European country, that would be huge. So 
Obviously, you know, as much as I love Yuri, we're going for Jan because of our roots, but that would be an absolutely crazy fight. But I would I would also really love to see Yuri versus Glover too because that was an absolutely crazy fight. But it had everything. These guys had a crazy conditioning. They it was just absolute insanity. They I I basically just sat there screaming and it was one of the greatest fights I've ever seen. They they took each other the distance no matter what. Even though it was 28 seconds left, that 28 seconds was nothing. Like They took each other the distance, in my opinion, and I think a lot of people would agree with me in that. They absolutely put their heart out there, and Yuri deserves this, man. He really does. Unfortunately, there has to be a winner and loser, and it was unfortunate that Glover was the loser. I, you don't want. It was one of those situations where you didn't want to see any of them lose because they're both such likable guys, and they're both such good stories, especially for the MMA community and the UFC community globally too because neither of them neither of those guys are Americans um it's just it sucks to see Glover lose it but hopefully he's able to at least contend or get back to get the title back but yeah absolutely crazy card there's some other fights on there too but we're Jeff and I are going to get into those more in depth on the uppercut podcast later this week or I think either either today or tomorrow but yeah, later. And yeah, so I'm going to wrap up the podcast now. Sorry it was a short one. Sorry the boys have been busy. We're going to get our shit together soon. I promise you. We're just working on stuff in the in the background. And yeah, thank you all for listening so much. And let's go Celtics.